Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Hey, good morning, Connect Church. Let's thank our team for leading us out today as they faithfully do week in and week out. And we are so grateful that you are here at Connect Church where it is our heartbeat to connect everyone with the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ that together, somehow, some way. We would just simply make much of Jesus. And we are we're so grateful that you are here, especially those who are visiting this Sunday morning. We're just so glad to have you. I want to say this. Um, it was good being away last week with my kids and my wife. And, and we kind of did that last vacation before all the craziness of school starts back up. I'll tell you, it's really good to join online. And man, Pastor David knocked it out of the park preaching on mountains. He did man, such a great job last week. I'm so grateful uh, for the word that he preached. And it's just so good to be back today. I, I, I like watching online. But there ain't nothing like being in here in the room with you guys. And so, so grateful uh, to be back today. I want to say this as well. We got a couple days this past week that we got to spend at preteen camp uh, for Connect Church. And I'm going to tell you how God moved, how he saved six of our preteens this past week. It was just absolutely incredible. So grateful for Brandon and his team, how they led, and it was just honestly just a great joy uh, to be there this past week. Today, we land in John chapter 10. I went and double-checked it, and we are on, and I'm preaching the 42nd sermon in our John series, and we find ourselves in John uh, chapter 10. And I'm going to tell you, I love this chapter. This chapter, man, is in- incredibly important in the life of Jesus and in the life of everyone who claims to follow Jesus. The illustrations just in this chapter that Jesus brings, they are incredible. And today's sermon is filled with illustrations. But I want you to know that I'm very aware of a certain line that we cannot cross. Andy Griffith, Barney Fife said it well. There's a fine line between a long sermon and a hostage situation. And so like, I know that. And so we'll do our best to flirt with that line a little bit but to make sure that we don't cross that. Uh, Today, Jesus makes his third I am statement in the Gospel of John. There's seven of them. We've already seen in John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. We've seen Jesus declare in John 8, 12, that I am the light of the world, that whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And today, we begin to explore, to study, the third I am statement of Jesus where he says, I am the door. I am the door. By the end of our time together, I pray that you and I walk out of here celebrating that Jesus is the door to salvation. Now, what we're doing in chapter 10 is we're carrying over a conversation that began back in John chapter 9. This conversation Jesus has after he heals this blind man, makes this blind man see And we got some religious people who are on the scene and who are upset about a a good thing and a God thing. And man, they just can't handle it. I'm going to tell you something. If you're going to make people mad, make sure they're mad because it's a good thing and a God thing, right? That's the kind of trouble that I like to cause. A good thing and and a God thing, and they just can't get over it. And so what Jesus does here as we end John chapter 9 
is he allows us to see a blind man who did not know him but now has believed in him and is now worshiping Jesus. All the while, religious people are revealing that they are nothing more than spiritually blind. And we see that in their refusal to follow Jesus. And so what Jesus does in John chapter 10 is he uses an illustration that was common to them in the agrarian world back then in first century Israel. Jesus would use an illustration that was commonplace, a common sight for them to illustrate to these Pharisees, these religious people, just how spiritually blind they are. And what Jesus decides to use is a sheepfold or what I'm going to refer to as a sheep pen. In the first century, you can find these in a smaller scale in the countryside, but also something like this could be found in many of the cities. Uh, it would be rectangular in shape. Stones were stacked about three feet high to create a re rectangular enclosure with one door, with one gate, and with one opening. And this is where sheep were housed during the night. Here's our sheep today. And on, <laughs> I still don't know why there's an elephant back here. I have, that has nothing to do with the story. I mean, roll tie. Anyway, I don't know why it's there. Um, but, but anyway, this is what a first century sheep pen would look like. You see, after a shepherd had been out in the fields with his sheep grazing all day, making sure they were safe on the countryside at night, a shepherd would bring his sheep, his flock, into one of these sheep pens. And they would go inside this one-inch tree, and the walls were tall enough to keep predators at bay. They were tall enough that if a thief or a robber wanted to come in and steal a shepherd's sheep, that they could be easily seen by the gatekeeper, by the under-shepherd who worked under the authority of the other shepherds. And his job was at night to ensure that nobody got the sheep but the shepherd. He was to ensure that no predator got through this door, that no false shepherd got in and caused any type of harm or stole any of the sheep. You see, several flocks of sheep would be housed here at night, and so this gatekeeper, you know what he'd do? He would lay down in front of the door, and he'd make sure that the sheep were safe. You see, this is the picture that Jesus is going to use in John chapter 10 to speak of his love for his sheep and to expose at the very same time the idea that these Pharisees and religious leaders, they, and they themselves were thieves and they were robbers. They were spiritually blind. And so Jesus starts out in John chapter 10 and says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief, they're a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. And guys, this is so pivotal to our sermon today and our time together. Watch this. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own shepherd, his own sheep by name, and leads them out. The Bible says when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know, listen, they know their shepherd's voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, 
for they do not know the voice of strangers. And in verse 6, we get some commentary here. This figure speak Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. The Bible says, listen, the Jewish leaders, these, these Pharisees, they did not understand that them and their man-made religion, they were the thieves and they were the robbers. They were the, the strangers with the unknown voice who threatened God's people, who were the sheep. And so Jesus, in verse 7, he kind of narrows this down and reiterates this, and he says this. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door. And there it is. Our third I am statement. I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find, the Bible says, and find pasture. There it is, the third I am statement of Jesus. I am the door, and it's so fitting because just back in, in John chapter 9, we find this, that because this blind man who Jesus healed would not deny him and would not deny that it happened, that these Pharisees, these religious leaders, tried their best to slam the, the door of God in the face of this blind man by kicking him out of their presence. And I love what Jesus says here. He goes, no, no, no. I am his door. I am this blind man's salvation. And hey, by the way, religious leaders, those of you who are blind, I am your salvation too. I am the, the true shepherd whose sheep, they know my voice and they're mine. And we begin to see one of the keys to Jesus' teaching throughout the entire chapter 10 of the Gospel of John, that he is the true shepherd, and his sheep know and follow his voice. Hey, listen, you need to know there's a difference in just knowing the voice of God and following the voice of God. They not only know the voice of God, but they follow the shepherd. Uh, my family... And my dad started this years ago when we were kids. Man, it didn't matter if we were in a Walmart Supercenter. My dad had a whistle. And we could be scattered to the far corners of a Walmart Supercenter, which I think covers about five miles. And my dad would do this. He'd go, <whistles> as loud as he could in Walmart. And I'm going to tell you, no matter where we were, we could hear his call, his whistle, and we would begin to look around for our dad. And that was the, that was the call he would put out there for us to go find him and to get where our daddy was. And so you know what? We've carried that over. If I were to go downstairs right now, my kids are in the Connect Kids ministry, and I were just to go downstairs, all of my kids in their classroom, they'd lift up their head, they'd start looking for their dad, and then you know what? If their teachers would let them, they'd run out in the hallway, and they'd come to find me. Because here's the deal. Man, my kids know my voice. They know my call. And as soon as I give it, they'll come find their daddy, and they'll come walk with their daddy. They'll follow me. And that's exactly what we find with shepherds in that day. You see a shepherd, and I've watched this, and you can actually pull this up on YouTube. I've been in Israel, and I've actually seen this, where a shepherd will take a group of tourists, and he'll go to a sheep pen, a holding place for a sheep where all his flock is out there, and he'll teach them his call, how he calls the sheep in, and he'll have strangers who will try to call the sheep in. And you know what? These strangers will make the call, and not a sheep will move. They don't even stop feeding. 
They'll do one person after another, one stranger after another. They'll try to call the sheep, and the, the sheep are absolutely oblivious to the stranger's voice. But you can watch, and I've seen this, the shepherd will begin to speak up and use his voice and his call for the sheep. And all of a sudden, one after another, then sheep will poke their heads up. They'll look for their shepherd, and when they see him, they begin to run to him. And he steps inside this, this holding place of his sheep, and wherever he walks, guess what happens? The sheep, they, they follow him. They know his voice, and they follow him. And so what we find here in John chapter 10 is Jesus has a pretty incredible object lesson, this illustration. He uses sheep and sheep pens and shepherds to call out these false prophets, these present-day false prophets called Pharisees who operated as under-shepherds, meaning this under the authority of God. They operated under His authority but instead of being a blessing to his people, they abused the sheep. Hey, remember this. One of the most endearing names of God in the Old Testament, one of the most enduring names of God, one of the most intimate names of God is that of he is our shepherd. We see it in one of the most celebrated psalms. In Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. This motif of shepherd and sheep, man, it goes all the way back in the Old Testament, and it is a beloved name for God. And yet here we have men who claim to know the voice of God, who claim to love God, but they do not do what God has told them to do. They do not. They do not obey the words of God. They're corrupt. They are blind men who are dressing down Jesus over healing a blind man. They are, what John 10 says, they are thieves and they are, they are robbers. They are strangers and they have strange voices. Lord would say of these in Jeremiah chapter 12, uh, verse 10, many rulers have destroyed my vineyard. By the way, by vineyard, he means my people. They have trodden my portion, again, his people, Underfoot, They have made my pleasant portion a desolate wilderness. And, and on chapter 50, verse 6, my people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray. Shepherds who claimed to know the voice of the God and the words of God and yet wouldn't do what God said to do. They didn't take care of the sheep. They abused the sheep. God's people for their own personal gain. Hey, by the way, this is not just an Old Testament phenomenon. This is a first century in the time where Jesus lived and, and he walked in the Gospel of John, would record what he said and did. This was a phenomenon then, and listen to me, it also happens to this day. There are false shepherds preaching even this day who care nothing for their sheep, for God's people, Jesus would say this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Thieves, robbers, false shepherds, false prophets, ravenous wolves who claim to know the voice of God, but who do not follow His words. You, you know what? They're the ones that Jesus said who come in because they're not really shepherds. They're not really shepherds. They're not a true shepherd. They're the ones who try to climb over the wall and 
to steal, to kill, and to destroy God's people. That's, that's who they are. We see it today in those who do not preach God's word, the true gospel, but, but preach their own words to build their own kingdom and not his. Last week, I listened as Pastor David told of a, a pastor who has a mega church not too far over the mountains from here. And this pastor had changed in his theology and his teaching and ultimately would put out a heresy that really no one is punished forever in a place called hell, nor will God pour his wrath on those who have sinned and rebelled and rejected him. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. He would write a book called Love Wins because in the end, love wins. Long before Rob Bell wrote his book, God wrote a book. And in that, God teaches us that love won when Jesus died on the cross and he emptied that grave. And here's the good news of the gospel. And that is this, that although Rob Bell has a problem with the biblical reality of hell, listen, hell does not have to be our reality because of what Christ has has done. And even in this day, we find those who position themselves as thieves and robbers, false shepherds, false prophets, who claim to know the voice of God, and yet they do not do what God says to do. They do not preach what God says to preach. Can I just give you a warning today? Do not listen to them. Not that he'd ever listen. Man, Brother Rob, repent. Preach the word of God. Hey, by the way, can I tell you what's easy to do? It's easy to build a mega church and to sell books when you cancel or erase hell. And Jesus never, never did. I think of the voice of Islam whose confession to this day is there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is the messenger, the prophet of Allah. Church, hear me. Allah is a false God and Muhammad is a false prophet. It is not by the teachings of Muhammad by which we are saved. In fact, John chapter 10 relegates Muhammad as nothing more than a thief and a robber, a stranger with a strange voice. He is not the true shepherd. Don't, don't listen to him. I think of the voice of Mormonism. Joseph Smith, its founder, who too had an issue with the doctrine of hell, who would teach that Jesus Christ was a creation, the love child of a god and a goddess from another planet, lessening who we know Jesus to be. Joseph Smith is a thief and a robber. He is a false shepherd and a false prophet. He's a stranger with a voice that is strange when lined up against Scripture. Do not listen. Don't listen to his voice. And to my Mormon friends in the community, don't send me a letter after this sermon. I, last time I mentioned Mormons, two days later, a handwritten, long-form letter was in my mailbox about the message I had just preached in which I mentioned it. I think of the voice of Jehovah's Witnesses. Founder Charles Hayes Russell, 
who's a false shepherd teaching untruths like Jesus was created by Jehovah as Michael the archangel before there was a physical world, before anything existed, and Jesus is a lesser though mighty little G God. Again, an attempt to lessen who Jesus is. Russell and his Jehovah's Witness teachings, they are thieves and they are robbers. They are not true shepherds. They are strangers with strange voices. And don't listen to them. Love them. Share the gospel with them. But do not follow their voices. I think of the voice of culture today, which is, hey, follow your heart. Affirm your every desire and feeling. Truth is what you make of it. Follow your truth. There is really no God. You are the God of your life. And yet again, we find thieves and robbers and false shepherds and false prophets and a stranger with strange voices. Don't listen to the voice of culture. You see, there are many voices, many strangers. But what Jesus begins to point us to in John chapter 10, there's really only one true shepherd who is the door by which you and I are saved, whose voice we follow. You need to understand the end game of following these strangers and their strange voices, these false shepherds, these, these false prophets. These thieves and these robbers, you ready? Jesus tells us the end game. And that is found in John 10, 10. For the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have life abundantly. Life abundantly. You see, what these false shepherds and thieves and robbers and strangers, at the end, they are climbing over the wall with one objective in mind, to steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy you. That is their one objective. Following the wrong shepherd, whether it's the devil himself, or those who would do his will, or the sin that so easily entangles us, will steal, and will kill, and destroy. And yet John chapter 10 is an invitation for you and I to go through the door that is Jesus, to hear his voice, the true shepherd, and to live, to experience abundant life, life in Jesus that is overwhelming, life that is overflowing, and life that is overcoming. And but the question still remains today. How do I know God's voice? How does God speak? And how can I hear his voice? Well, let's talk about how we've experienced through Scripture how God speaks. Well, first of all, God speaks audibly, meaning this, it can be heard by our ears. God can speak audibly, he, audibly and he has done so. Consider Moses. God would speak audibly to him from a, burst, from a bush that was burning but had yet to be consumed in Exodus chapter 3. In fact, Moses would hear from God audibly on many occasions over many years. It is said of Moses this in Exodus thirty-three eleven: the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. You know, God speaks at times audibly. 
We see that in the life of Moses. We see it in the New Testament with Jesus on several occasions. First, Matthew 3, 17, at Jesus' baptism, the sky opens up, the Spirit descends, and God says, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased, and it was audible. We also find God audibly speaking in the New Testament in Matthew 17, 5, on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter's there with Jesus. Moses and Elijah show up on the scene. James and John are there. There's this incredible experience where what is reality on the inside of Jesus is now visible on the outside of Jesus. And then a voice from heaven would say very much the same thing. This is my beloved son in whom I'm very well pleased. And I love this. Hear him. The command to listen to him. Not only to hear his voice, but to listen to his voice. And then we find ourselves in the garden before Jesus is crucified in the Gospel of John chapter 12. And in verse 28, one of the prayers that Jesus lifts up is simply this, Father, glorify your name. Guys, I cannot wait to get to this part in this chapter and preach this. But then a voice from heaven came saying, I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again. Time and time, God audibly speaks in the New Testament, can I tell you something about God speaking audibly? You ready? It's rare. It's, it's rare. It doesn't happen all the time, and it don't happen to, to everybody. Some of y'all are some of y'all are maybe convinced. You know what? If I could hear the voice of God like Moses did, if I would have been on that Mount of Transfiguration by the Jordan River, if I would have been in the Garden of Gethsemane and heard God's voice audibly, oh, it would increase my faith. Man, I would really follow God then. And you know what I have to say to that? No, you won't. And no, you wouldn't. Consider Moses. He spoke with God face to face as a friend, and yet we find that he dies outside of the promised land because he sinned against God in front of the people, and God would not allow him to go into the promised land where he was heading. And if I would just hear the, the voice of God audibly, man, my faith would be strengthened and I would walk with Jesus. No, no, you wouldn't. Consider Peter, who was at most of the scenes where God would speak audibly. Consider this in the toughest chapters of Jesus' life, in the darkest hours of Jesus' life. He's out in a courtyard staring down a little girl who gets him to deny that he even knows Jesus on three separate occasions. And when Jesus is dying on the cross, he has abandoned him. God speaking audibly is incredible. It is incredibly rare. But it's not more than likely how God's going to speak to us today. You see, God speaks audibly, but here's, here's the truth. You ready? God speaks through Scripture inspirationally. Watch this in Hebrews chapter 1. The author of Hebrews opens up and he says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, by the way, what we get in our Old Testament. But in the last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. I want you to hear me. One of the greatest ways that you know and that you can hear and you can follow God's voice is through His Word. It's through Scripture. Inspirationally, which is inspired of God. We know the voice of God and the Word of God through the Bible. And one of the other ways I want to highlight is simply this. God speaks through His Spirit inwardly. Inwardly. How do we know God's voice? How do we hear it? 
Well, he does so through his spirit inwardly. I love this in John chapter 14, as Jesus would promise, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. How does God speak to us? Through his spirit inwardly. The voice of God that through his spirit grows us and disciples us. These are some of the primary ways that you are going to know and hear the voice of God today. But I also got to show you four things about the voice of God you've got to remember. Got to be careful. Number one, God's voice will never contradict his word. Hey, listen to me. If you ever sense a voice or hear a voice that tells you to do something that is a contradiction to the word of God, you can rest assured that that voice is anything and anybody but the voice of God. Never leads you to do it. How about this second warning here, which is important, that God's voice will never lead you into sin. Golly, the number of times people will sit before me and go, I know what God's word says, but every time I hear that phrasing, I am ready for the rebellion bomb. The rejection of Christ and his teachings bomb. The rejection of God's voice One of the most dangerous things Christians can say and live is, I know what God's Word says, but. The amount of people say to me, look, man, I'm done with my spouse. I know biblically I don't have any grounds, but I'm going to go ahead and leave. Man, I feel like it's my soul, man. God's doing that. Listen to me. Careful. Because it leads to this caveat here, number three. Do not put God's name on your voice, your desires, and your wants. Oh, oh, the amount of times people will put God's name on their voice. By the way, that's exactly what these thieves and robbers do every time they climb over the sheep pen. Put God's name on their voice, and they feed their flesh and their own desires. Be careful. And here's the last thing I want to warn you about, and that is this. Um, there was the fourth one here. Let me say this. I've got it here. And that is this, a reality check. It's hard to hear God's voice when you've already determined what you want him to say. It's right here. It's hard to hear God's voice when you've already determined what you want him to say. I, I want you to think about that. Some of us said, I'm going to do this. And God's going to be for it because I said God is for it because I've determined it in my mind. I'm going to tell you something. That is anything but the voice of God. That is nothing more than our voices and putting God's name on it. Tim Keller would say this. He'd say, if your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. And isn't that true? Be careful to know and to love, and to follow after God's voice. You might hear him audibly, but more than likely, you're going to know his voice and his word through his scripture, inspirationally, and through his spirit, inwardly. And they will never contradict, his voice will never contradict his word. It'll never lead you into sin. And so be careful to never put God's name on your voice. And understand it's really hard to hear from him when you've already walked into it determining what God's going to say. Be open to God moving in you and through you and his spirit in you. 
I love this. One of the things that I, I jotted down just because the Lord really kicked my hand in on this, and that is this. God is my shepherd. I'm not his. He doesn't follow my voice. I follow his. Guys, you're not the shepherd. He is. He doesn't follow your voice. You follow his. Listen to what Jesus would say. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. He knows us by name. And he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. Watch this. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Do you know his voice? Do you know his voice? Well, let me ask you this first. Have you ever walked through that door who is Jesus by faith? allowed him to save you and to change your life. That's how we begin to know his voice and to recognize his voice. But hear me, believer, it is not enough just to know his voice. It's not enough just to recognize his voice. We must follow his voice and obey his words. Follow his voice and obey his word. I want to close with a, a video that I found from a sister church, the incredibly true story of a lawyer and something he encountered in what was a scary situation in his life. Take a look at the screen, if you would. I was in Alaska doing a lawsuit. We're way out in the Aleutian Islands, getting ready to leave and go back to Anchorage and then home. And I had a ticket in my pocket to get on an airplane. And a pastor came up and he said, listen, I can save you money. I said, how's that? He said, I flew a small airplane up here. And I fly a small airplane. And I can take you in my little airplane and you can save your ticket. And this did not sound I said, gee, thank you so very, very much. But I've got this ticket. We'll just make our way on home, me and this other lawyer with me. He said, no, 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 you got to do it. You got to do it. And against every better judgment I had, I said, okay. Well, we went out to the airport took us by his little plane and I looked at it and I thought well one good thing it's shiny then he walked around it we got in he's on the left front I'm on the right front the other lawyers sitting right behind me and he started it up and it started up just fine well we taxied out I said should we pray he said yeah that's a good idea we normally don't I said well this time we're gonna <laughs> And I'm telling you, I prayed five, eight minutes. I prayed a long time. We went and got on the runway. He starts down the runway. The plane lifted off ever so gently, and we start climbing. And it's wonderful. Not a problem in the world. We started climbing, and we flew probably three, four minutes. And something happened that will never leave my mind. The pilot turned to me, and he said, we're going in the clouds and I can't fly in clouds. They make me pass out. I said, clouds make you do what? <laughs> now it's been cloudy all day. And we go right up into the clouds and you can't see anything. And he looks at me and his eyes roll back in his head and he starts mumbling and he passes out. 
passed out cold. Now I grabbed him and I shook him and I said, come on, you got to wake up so I can kill you. Now we're in the clouds flying along with no pilot. And my friend in the back seat said, we're dead, aren't we? I said, there's a very good chance of that, yes. He said, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. But there was a radio right there and I handed him the microphone and I said, start asking for help. So he's in the back seat reaching up and he said, hello, hello. We didn't know any proper radio etiquette. All we were saying was hello. And somebody answered back, hello, hello. Don't you guys know proper radio etiquette? And I said, give it to me. I said, Tell we don't know nothing. Tell him we're in an airplane with a passed out pilot and we don't know how to fly this plane. The guy said, I'm a freighter flying out of Anchorage on the way to Tokyo. And he said, you're telling me you have nobody who can fly that plane with you? I said, tell him that's correct. Now you gotta understand, I am sweating bullets. He said, the first thing I'm gonna do is start circling so I don't lose you because I'll fly out of range of your radio and you won't have me anymore. And he said, I'm gonna get Anchorage Emergency for you. And Anchorage Emergency will be the people that can maybe help you try to save your life. After about five minutes, Anchorage came on, said, we understand you have a passed out pilot. And those of you do not know how to fly that plane. We said, that's right. They said, well, the first thing we gotta do is find you. And I'll never forget what this man at Anchorage said. He said, my job is to get you home safe. He said, that's my job. But he said, here's the deal. If you want me to get you home safe, you gotta promise me you'll obey my voice. He said, you can't see me, but I can see you. And he said, if you're not gonna obey my voice, you're gonna die. When you can't see anything, you have no idea how disorientated you become. Finally, he said, okay, I found you. Now hear me clear. He said, you're four minutes from a mountain. He said, you're gonna crash in that mountain and die. Follow my voice. I never said, I have to follow your voice? Is that reasonable? You see, I understood without his voice, I had nothing. And do you understand? Without God's voice, you have nothing. Nothing. Finally, he got us turned. And he said, I'm freezing all the traffic in the area. He said, it's gonna take me an hour and a half to get you to Anchorage, and there's a lot of weather between you and Anchorage. You're in for a rough ride. And he said, I want you to hear me. I don't want you to look at what's going on outside. I don't want you to pay attention to the storm, just my voice. He said, if you start watching the storm, you will die, but I'll take you through it. Now, because they cleared all the traffic, several pilots, those nighttime freighters, those 747s started talking to us. They said, we're praying for you, men. You're gonna make it, but listen to the voice. That's the key. They said, trust the voice. You realize your head is full of voices and everybody in this world wants to talk to you and everybody wants to be the controlling voice. And God says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you to put yourself on the altar and let my voice be your voice. Finally, we went through the worst of the weather, but there was still more. And then the voice came back and it said, now, I'm gonna line you up. He said, I'm gonna bring you in right down the runway. And at the foot of the runway are some lights and they're in the form of a cross. He said, don't you forget this. The cross is the way home. Finally, he's bringing us down. We still can't see anything. And all he kept saying is, stay with me. My sheep, the Bible says, hear my voice and they follow me. Finally, just a couple hundred feet off the ground, we saw the cross. 
I landed the plane. In fact, I landed it seven times. <laughs> Finally, it all came to a stop, and the minute we stopped, the pilot woke up. The voice said, thanks for listening. I watch them crash and burn all the time because they won't follow my voice. They don't understand I'm the one who can see them even when they can't see me. But they get the voices in their head and they kill themselves. They self-destruct. Thanks for listening to the voice. Then they put us in a motel room in about four in the morning. I knock at my door. And I open the door and a man was standing there. He said, hello, David. I said, you're the voice. You're the one who got me home. He said, I am. Do you understand one day you're going to stand before him and say, you were the voice. You're the voice that brought me home. If you're not on that altar as a living sacrifice, your head's full of voices. And then we wonder why kids crash and burn. We wonder why marriages are shattered. And the Lord's saying, I'm the one who has the voice. All I can remember is that voice saying, stay with me. Stay with me. Don't listen to what's going on in your head and don't watch the storm. Stay with me. And I'll take you through. Tonight you have a God who has promised to take you through. So will you listen to his voice? Yeah. But will you listen to his voice? There's many believers in the room who right now go, Anthony, I've not heard God's voice, whether it's audibly, whether it's been through Scripture inspiration, because I've not, not been in God's Word, or whether it's been through His Spirit inwardly. Anthony, how do, I, how do I hear the voice of God in my life? You ready? Follow the shepherd. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.